You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. when we have this zeal, when we want to work for God. We start off without the anointing in the direction of the Holy Spirit and the ability of the energies of our flesh to accomplish the purpose that God has told us He wants to accomplish. We're going to end up like Moses in failure. The work of the Spirit can never be accomplished in the flesh. To do the work of the Spirit, I have to be anointed. I have to be empowered and I have to be directed by the Spirit of God. So many problems that I have made in my own life, just like Moses, I've made knowing what God wants to do, but stepping out in the flesh and not the Spirit. It's easy to forget about God and forge ahead in your enthusiasm for doing His work. However, as Pastor Dave will remind you today, the work of the Spirit can never be accomplished in the power and wisdom of man. God will delay you as He prepares you for His plan in His time. Only then will you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for His work. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 7 as he continues his message, Witnessing Through Moses. He's also promised to guide us during the hard times, to comfort us, to give us peace, that we can shine our love in the midst of hard times, that others will come in. And that's what's happening right here. And we're going to talk about that. As we continue in verse 19b through 20, it says, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in the father's house for three months. Another question for you. I'm full of questions today. Did you ever notice that Satan always wants to thwart the plan of God? Did you ever notice that everything's going well and all of a sudden starting, something starts to go amiss? Satan wants to thwart God's plan. Well, I know this is God's plan for me. And all of a sudden, bang, there's Satan and things are going away. You ever get kind of confused? Well, I know this is God's plan. Why is this happening? Well, you're right. It's God's plan. Maybe that's why it is happening. Maybe that's why it's happening to you. Satan always wants to thwart God's plan. In these verses, a new Pharaoh takes place. A new Pharaoh comes in, and he doesn't know anything about Joseph at all. He doesn't know Joseph or anything about the family. But the nation's growing and growing and growing. And he's looking out and going, wait a minute, what's wrong with this picture? Israelite, 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 Egyptian. Israelite, Israelite, Israelite. Wait a minute, there's too many of them and too few of us. Aha, let's come up with a plan. Midwives? When they're having a baby, when the baby comes, kill it. What? Yeah, kill it. I don't want these Israelites to get too high. But look what it says. If if you're in Exodus and you follow the book of Exodus in chapter 1, it was the fear of God that these midwives did not kill the children of Israel. God put a fear in their heart, and they didn't kill them. And they went back to Pharaoh and made concocted some crazy story that, you know, these, these, these Hebrew women, they're tough in childbirth, and by the time we get there, the baby's already born, and they've whisked him away. And then Pharaoh says, well, then let's do this. Throw them in the river. All the male children, let's just throw them in the river then. Pick them up and throw them in. Set them aside. Get them out of here. But the interesting fact here is that in Exodus 1, verse 20, it says, God dealt well with the midwives. God blessed these Egyptian midwives for what they did. He blessed them because they didn't follow Pharaoh's commands and kill the babies. He blessed them abundantly. 
Pharaoh says, throw him into the river. Throw him into the river and let him die. So in Acts 7, verses 21 to 23, we see Moses now is going to be born. He's going to be set into the river. He's going to be taken up by the daughter of Pharaoh, and he's going to be raised as her son. He grows into manhood, learning all wisdom of Egyptians, becoming mighty in words and deeds. It says, at this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Moses grows up. He gets grown. And it happens that when Moses was 40 years old, he wants to go out and visit his brethren. God put it upon his heart, and his heart tells you that he wants to see his people. How did he know he was an Israeli? According to the Ten Commandments in the movie, they hid it from him. Well, not so. If you continue in Exodus, it says that they took the baby Moses back to his mother to nurse. So he was being nursed, and his mother and father, they were teaching him in the customs. He knew he was not an Egyptian. He knew he was an Israelite. But he grew up, and he had the best training possible. He was groomed to become the next pharaoh. All the while, he knew his origins because of his mother. And then Moses' heart starts to be exposed to his people. In verses 24 and 28, And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed, and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. And the next day, he appeared to two of them as they were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed Moses away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Ouch. Moses had some sort of sense of destiny. He somehow felt that perhaps because of his position as son of Pharaoh, he somehow felt that he was destined to lead these people out of the bondage, and they would listen to him because of his stature, because of his power, so to speak. He had this awareness, this consciousness, and he was really surprised when they didn't recognize it. He was really surprised when he jumped out and said, I'm the deliverer. Yeah, yeah, sure. You're just a murderer. What are you going to do, kill us too? Ow, and he got, and that hurt him. What happened here is Moses is getting ahead of God. He tried to do what God wanted out of the ability of his own flesh and not out of the Holy Spirit. He knew what God wanted. He was aware of God's purposes. His big mistake was getting ahead of God. Moses decided to do himself a favor and help God out. He got ahead of God. Now, I'm sure in here, no one has ever done that. No one ever, ever got ahead of God. No one has ever walked in the flesh and said, I'm going to do this for the Lord. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I got this one, God, and walk out and start doing it. I'm sure that's never happened, but I can tell you what, it has happened in this room because I've done it. I've done it. I've gotten ahead of God. Oh. We often make this mistake. We know what God wants to do. We're sure of what God wants to do, but we don't wait. We don't wait for God. We don't wait for His empowering to do it. We get out there and we try to do it in the energy of our own flesh. Big mistake. We know what God wants, what God's desire. You ever notice when you try that how unsuccessful you are? How things fall apart when you try to do things in your own ability. When, things, when you try to prop things up in your own flesh, how things just fall apart. Because God's not in it. Moses couldn't even bury this Egyptian. He wanted to kill the Egyptians one person at a time when God's plan was, Hey, Moses, I got a better idea. I'm going to kill the whole army at once. See, that's God's plan. Man's plan is, I'll just take them one at a time. 
you don't know who we're dealing with. God says, no, I'll wipe them out all at once. Just trust me. We need to be careful when we have this zeal, when we want to work for God. We start off without the anointing and the direction of the Holy Spirit and the ability of the energies of our flesh to accomplish the purpose that God has told us he wants to accomplish. We're going to end up like Moses in failure. The work of the Spirit can never be accomplished in the flesh. To do the work of the Spirit, I have to be anointed. I have to be empowered, and I have to be directed by the Spirit of God. So many problems that I have made in my own life, just like Moses, I've made knowing what God wants to do, but stepping out in the flesh and not the Spirit. That's a problem that we've made. So many problems arise that way. I try to fulfill God's promises or God's purpose without the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit. I get ahead of God, and I botch things up just as Moses did. We try to hide the Egyptians. The writer of Proverbs, which probably was Solomon, says in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. And again, in 16, 9, it says, a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Moses killed the Egyptian, and he was trying to prevent the beating of one of his brethren. This is good, but it was a premature attempt to do and fulfill his destiny. Moses tried to make himself Israel's delivery in a way that made sense to him. But we know God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He does things totally different than we might ever think that he's going to do something. Can you imagine this? If Moses sat down, can you imagine this? Moses calls us, Aaron, come here. Have a seat. We're going to deliver Israel. This is how we're going to do it. Let's see. Hmm. Okay, I'll get a stick. And when I go before Pharaoh, I'll throw this stick down and, 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 and it'll turn to a snake. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It'll turn to a snake, okay? Yeah, this sounds like a good plan. Go for it, Mo. Go for it. This is great. And then he won't let us go. But then what will we do? Um, we, can, uh, we can cast out some plagues. Yeah, 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 we'll cast out some plagues. What do you like? Well, I like lice. Lice it is. Frogs? Cool. Mosquitoes? Cool. And they go down the list. Then what are we going to do? Then we're going to get the heck out of Dodge. We're going to run for our lives. He says, yeah, but Moses, we're going to come to the Red Sea. Ah, no sweat. We'll just part it. Go through. Aaron's going, what a plan. This is great. This is great. Let's do it. You think that's the plan they had? You think they sat down and thought that up? Man doesn't think that way. At least not anybody I know. I might think of visions of grandeur, but holy mackerel. That's crazy. Moses planned to deliver... Israel in a way that only man could deliver him. And logically, he saw himself as the boss. I'm the guy. I'm going to be the deliverer. Can you imagine the first day this happened? Hey, Israel, I'm going to deliver you. What? You don't believe me? Wait a minute. I'm, I'm me. Look, yeah, look. See the big D on my chest? Deliverer. What's wrong with you guys? Now, God wanted to deliver Israel. God wanted to deliver Israel. And he chose Moses to do it. And he was sitting there the entire time watching this act yelling, yo, Moses, wait for me. You're a little bit ahead of me. I'm going to have to reel you back in. I'm going to have to reel you back in. Moses had no idea at the time, but he was too big for God to use. He was too big for God to use. Moses tried to do the Lord's work with man's wisdom and man's power, and it never works that way. If you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, if you're not anointed by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing, if you're not walking on a day-to-day basis to the Holy Spirit, don't try to do the work of God, because you will fail miserably, just like Moses. Moses had 40 years of perfect preparation in the house of Pharaoh. 40 years. Perfect preparation. 
God says, nah, that's not enough. And he ran, he ran away. He got to go through 40 more years of preparation in the desert. 40 more years. When we act in the place of God without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we're going to get a similar response. Has this ever happened to you? You saw somebody doing something wrong. Somebody's doing something wrong, and you act upon what they're doing wrong. You act upon something that's wrong. And what happens, the first thing that is said to you when you act, thinking God's in it, you act to it. The first thing they go look and go, don't judge me. You're not my judge. Who do you think you are coming to me that way and saying, I'm doing this and I'm doing that? You need to be spirit-led. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. You can't do the things in the flesh. Is it something that God wants or is it something that we want? Remember, getting ahead of God, we talked about God's timing. We said it's the purpose during the time. It's not the end result. It's as this time you're waiting on God. It's the purpose of what's happening then because God cares about the now. God cares about now, cares about you right now. He cares about you. His timing is indeed perfect. When the upper township fellowship closed, I struggled with God, and I argued with God because why would God close a fellowship that was drawing 30 to 40 people? Why would he close that? It wasn't my time. I had the right call, but it was the wrong time. That's what happened to Moses. Moses knew he had the calling of God, but it was the wrong timing. Because God's timing is perfect. In verse 29, Moses flees from Egypt. He runs that way. Then, at this saying, Moses fled, became dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. God's preparations of Moses' life continues. We should never grieve God's preparation. God will reveal his plan to us in his time. And when our preparation is complete, he will accomplish the plan. God will not use us until the timing is perfect, until we are perfectly prepared for what he has called us to do. God wants you to wait upon him during those preparation years, to wait upon him, be faithful to him during the preparation years, and he will fill you and guide you. And when the time is perfect, you pop that cork, and away you go. Because God's timing is always perfect. God will see you through the process and be with you during the process. Remember, that's what's important. It's not the end result. It's your relationship with God during the time he's preparing you. Are you kicking and screaming, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, instead of sitting before him, allowing them to prepare your heart? We read verses 30 through 34. And when 40 years passed, another 40 years goes by, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame and fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals from your feet, for the place you stand is holy. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come and I will send you to Egypt. Wow. God's timing. He's ready. Time to move, Moses. It's time to move. We're going to move now. God is ready now to deliver Israel from bondage. Notice one thing that he says here, and I love this about our God. No other God can claim this. No other God can claim this. God says, I have heard, I have seen, and I know what's going on in your lives. What a wonderful promise. Sometimes we get out there and we start struggling. We think, nobody knows what's going on in my life. Nobody knows what I'm going through. God does. Because he hears your cries, he sees your affliction, and he knows. He knows what's happening in your life. 
He knows. And this should be a comfort to us as we pray and as we seek Him. And as the circumstances in our lives continue, be comforted to know that He's going to be with us during the circumstances because our God sees, our God hears, and He knows what we're going through. This boggles my mind that the infinite God of the universe, the creator of all mankind, the creator of the universe, wants to spend time with me. Wants to spend time with me and cares about my daily life on a daily basis. And he wants to do the same thing with each one of you. He cares about you so much. So if you're going through a horrible time right now, God has seen your affliction. He's heard your cries for help. And he knows, and his timing is perfect. And then all of a sudden, look what it says. I've come down to deliver them. Bam, then he comes down. Look at this beautiful promise. I'll be there to deliver you. Now, what does that deliverance look like? I don't know. It could be peace in the midst of the storm. How did Jesus deliver the disciples from the nasty storm they were on? Boats are rocking and shaking, and they think they're going to drown. He gets up, and he just says, be still, and the waves get calm. He delivered them from the storm. They were still in the sea. They were still there, but it got calm and peaceful. This is what the Lord does in your life. He delivers you from that. Circumstances might not change. In fact, they may get worse. God will be with you in the midst of the circumstances, and thus the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus, and you will be relieved, and you will know, and you will be able to handle that circumstances. And as we get to the end of this message, you will find that then you will use those circumstances as a testimony in your life, and someone else down the pike will go, wow. I saw God in you during that. I saw Jesus in you. What? You mean back when I was kicking and screaming and yelling and hollering while I was going through that? No, no, I saw Christ. Wow. And that's what would happen. God comes down. God's an ever-present help in time of danger. He's a strong tower that we can run into. He's a place of safety where we can be comforted. He appears right in the midst of the circumstances when you least expect it. He's there and he appears in the midst of it. Here I am. Wow. And everything's okay. Everything's okay. Why? Because he works all things together for good. For those that are the called and those that love him according to his purpose. Stephen did this great big history lesson to the council. This huge history lesson for this one point in verse 35. This was the point that Stephen was trying to make. He says, this Moses whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Who made you a prince and judge over us? Well, guess what? God did. This is it. Moses' leadership was not accepted by the Jewish masses, even though God had made him this prince. And now Stephen says, here comes the parallel. Here's where I'm going through, counsel. This is what you don't understand, counsel. The parallel is, you rejected Moses, who you called a deliverer, and you continued to reject him all through the wilderness, just like you rejected Jesus Christ. If you look at the similarities between Moses and Jesus, both of them were favored by God from birth. Both of them had miraculously preserved childhood. They were mighty in words and deed. They both offered deliverance to Israel, but they rejected with spite. They rejected it as their right to be a ruler and a prince over Israel. Notice that this ministry of Moses has twofold. When he left the palace of Pharaoh and he became linked to his suffering brothers as they made bricks in the hot sun of Egypt, he defended the Israelite who was smitten because he sought liberation for God's people. He wanted to liberate God's people. And when he intervened between the two Israelis, he wanted to bring reconciliation among God's people. Does that sound familiar? 
Jesus Christ left the palace, the throne room of God, to come to earth. Why? To liberate us from sin. To liberate us and give us freedom. That's why he came to earth. And he also came to earth that we would be reconciled not only to God, but reconciled one to another. He came for those reasons. Here's another one. The Israelites told Moses to leave them alone. We don't want a judge. We don't want a ruler. Does it sound familiar? The people told Jesus, we don't have any king except Caesar. Now crucify him. Moses was rejected. He went to the land of the Gentiles and took a bride and had sons. Jesus, when he was rejected by the Jews, went to the Gentiles. He took a bride, which is called his church. And he will be coming for that church again. Stephen reminds the council, and now he starts to twist the knife, that you rejected Jesus. The Jews rejected him. Just like they did Joseph, just like they did Moses. They rejected him. They failed to recognize him when he was revealed. But the second time, the next time Jesus has come, the Jews will recognize him. The Jews will receive him as his own. They will recognize him. They will declare him Messiah. They will declare him Christ. And they will rejoice because the true deliverer has come. The true Christ has come and they recognized him. Let me, let me leave you with this. Moses never ever knew that Satan would use his rejection by the Israelites to stand before the Sanhedrin 1,500 years later and speak. God knew. We may not understand how God's going to use our present circumstances. We may not understand how it's going to turn out. We may not understand God's plan. We don't know about these disappointments and these rejections that we've been having, but God knows. And God's going to work them for good. Remember the way you respond to the disappointment? Remember the way you respond to the rejection? That's going to be a powerful testimony, as I said. God is building in you a powerful testimony that you're going to be able to tell someone else how you dealt with this adversity in your life, how you dealt with this rejection because of Jesus Christ, and they are going to come to the knowledge of Him because of your testimony, because of your love. Trust God to use your rejection as the testimony of Him. Not of you, not what I did during my circumstance, not what I accomplished, but what God accomplished in you as you went through the circumstance. And He is glorified. He is lifted up because that is all that matters. And speaking of Moses, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he said, just as they lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, when they all got bit by snakes and they were told to lift up the bronze serpent, and if they looked at the bronze serpent, they wouldn't die. But if they didn't look at the bronze serpent, they would die. Jesus said, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. He will be lifted up high on a cross. Why? He will draw all men. May He be glorified in our lives. May we decrease and He increase that people would see Him. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique, God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.